Hello and welcome. You are listening to Resiliency, a podcast that takes an inside look at enhancing the vitality and resilience of field workers. From experts in member care to frontline field workers, our guests will bring you their experience, their lessons learned, and always something practical you can take away and use to increase your resiliency in cross-cultural life and ministry. Co-hosts Silas West and Steve Finley are just one part of an ever-growing and strengthening net of member care in the Antioch movement. They want to see Matthew 24, 14 happen and do everything they can to help field workers have the kind of resilience that enables them to make it for the long haul. Dana, my friend, welcome to Resiliency. What a blessing to have you here. Would be great to have your husband here, but... Yeah, I'm sad he can't be here. Yeah, yeah. he's over where you guys live in the Mediterranean region, mm-hmm. and uh, you and your eldest daughter are here for a short stay. Got to go to camp here at Antioch, youth retreat, winter yeah. youth retreat last mm-hmm. week, and... She's playing some tennis like she loves to do. Mm-hmm. How'd she do in the tournament? Didn't she it's just? It's gonna be this weekend. Oh, okay. So she's okay. practicing this week, getting awesome. used to the hard courts. <laughs> That's so. all. Yeah, she's a clay girl. <laughs> um, well, hey, I I just said a little bit. At least our listeners know your name's Dana and you're married <laughs> and you have at least one daughter. But why don't you introduce yourselves uh, yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your family and uh, kind of. What you've been doing cross culturally here for twenty two years. You may be the longest serving person that we've yet interviewed. Mm-hmm. Really, I think okay. so. I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I ser- was on the field as a single for about four and a half years, two years, and another two and a half, and then met my amazing actually, yeah, met my amazing husband, and he had been on the field as a single for a couple years as well, and then together we've been serving about eighteen years um, in the Mediterranean. Mediterranean region, mm-hmm. and we have three kids. All of them were born there, so um, yeah. So Susan really and feels... I were there at the birth of your, uh, oh, your second that's, child. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Surprise. Yeah, she came a little early, but um, <laughs> couldn't be at the conference the full time. We're Wait, most... you had to leave a conference. To, yeah. Yeah. To deliver your your first one. That's My, awesome. Second one. The second yeah. One. Second okay. one. Yeah. So, that's great. Yeah, we thought we'd make it through, but we had to leave. Yeah, so. It was only a drive up the highway yeah. to get to the hospital, but it was a 45-minute, 60-minute drive. Yeah. yeah. So. <laughs> and so we're church, you know, we're church planners, so that's our main focus. But, of course, always with a heart for the poor and trying to impact the society, you know, yes. wherever we are. Um, with different projects and things, but the main... Well, and actually, when I was a single on the field, I did actually, because my background is social work, so I got to be a part of some organizations that were actually, like, helping street kids get jobs or helping malnourished children. I got to do that more. Mm. But since being buried, um, we've gone more the business route, so he has a tourism business to be able to stay in this country, Mm -hmm. Muslim country. But we've tried to, yeah, there's lots of people on the street. We try to do things for or even got to build a well help build a well in a, in a, in a mountain region mm-hmm. so anyway we try that but mostly our focus is just building the kingdom of god sharing with people trying to invest in um, local leaders and help their movements expand but um, yeah that's what we're doing. so when you initially went to a certain central asian nation back in 94 i think were you uh were you going there? Is it was that part of the street kids? I you know work and stuff that you did. I I'm not I'm not too familiar with that part of your story. So yeah, what initially just, compelled you to go there? Yeah, 
Well, the first place I went, actually, because um, I did the training school here at Antioch, and one of the places they went to was the Central Asian region. It was actually the first Muslim country they'd ever were going to. Mm-hmm. And that year, God had just given me, rocked my world, really. I didn't even know about Muslims or who they were. And I had got, I had invested in a, um, bought a prayer journal, like from YWAM, and every day it has you praying for unreached people groups. Mm-hmm. And it seemed like almost every day I was praying for <laughs> millions of Muslims, mm-hmm. you know, and... Anyway, that when you pray for something, you start getting God's heart for it, you yes. know. And so then I did some research and just learned more about Muslims. And when I realized, uh, when I understood that they don't know that they can call God Father, it just broke my heart and also just made me really angry that they don't know that, you know, mm-hmm. and they've been lied to and just think they're slaves. Um, and so when there was an opportunity, when Antioch was going to this first Muslim country, I signed up to go on that short-term trip. It was actually, it was three months back then. We'd go on outreaches for three months, and Mm -hmm. so I got to go there. Twenty-five people were baptized on that trip and come to the Lord, Mm -hmm. Um, and they had no one committed to go Mm long-term. So I remember at one of the debriefing times when we were back, actually Carl Gulley stood up as he was like a high school student back then, (laughs) but he stood up and he had a scripture from God saying, I feel like God's saying, out of um, Isaiah, he's saying, who will go and who can I send? And he's looking for someone to say, here I am, Lord, send me. <laughs> you know, and God had just been speaking a similar, that scripture to me. And it was kind of a confirmation yeah. of like, just he, God was inviting me. It doesn't matter who you are. I just need someone to go. Yeah. You know, so it was really just a step of faith, feeling like God was inviting me to go. <laughs> so... Um, I really had no clue what I was doing, you know, at all. And after I agreed to go, and then another couple, a family, agreed to go with me. So that was good. But I went first on my own with another single girl, like, for six weeks. Actually, Jimmy came at the beginning for the first few weeks to get us settled. But, yeah, so we, but by the time we got back, there was only about a group of maybe five to eight still meeting out of that 25, Mm. you know, so we were sad about that, but we just began to invest in them. And it was, yeah, a sweet time, but just um, the family I was with, they went through a lot of hardships, a lot of sicknesses and burglaries. And so then they left. And so then they asked me to be the pastor of this church. And that was rough because I didn't even really know if I believed women could be pastors, you know? And so I, it was, yeah, a really uncomfortable time of just, okay, Lord, I have no clue, you know, what I'm doing. And I remember sometimes I would feel so stress, like so much stress on my shoulders and um, I would just have to pray in tongues for a long time mm-hmm. and for that to lift, you know? But... Um, there was also some of the most glorious experiences I've ever had as far as going to a village that had never had a white person in it and getting to share the gospel, me along with believers, you know, they were, yeah, we would do, we did it together. Mm. Um, and they were way more effective than me, but I got to be a part and getting to like baptize a girl there and see people healed. And, um, it was just an amazing privilege of getting to take really take the gospel where it had absolutely never, ever been, you know. But it also went along with 
sometimes assaulted by men on the street um, in inappropriate ways. One time I was drugged down, down an alley. I mean, just went through crazy, <laughs> crazy experiences. But also real um, through the prayers of others and just God's presence healing me at every single point. You know, no matter where I was touched or how afraid I had felt, His presence through the prayers of other believers and just God meeting with me would heal everyone, you know, and restore me. So I learned a lot on that first time, you know, that even when you're left alone, God provides other people. When you're, I don't know, go through even a physical hard time or inappropriate being touched, like God can heal all that, you know. So I even remember I got to, I didn't have a roommate for a while when the team kind of left and I ended up living with an an older single lady who was like in her 60s and she was so awkward like just kind of a a strange woman you know (laughs) but God taught me so much through her because she had a huge gathering of young people coming every week anyway but it just showed me God can use anybody no matter how quirky you are no matter you know lack of people skills you have or whatever God just uses those who are willing and will love on people, and the people are drawn through Jesus through them. It doesn't matter, you know. She totally did not dress in style, like just you know, <laughs> not you know, not your using the foolish things, yeah, the shameful totally, things, you yeah. know. And I was just, yeah, I'm so thankful I got to know her and live with her, and yeah. So there was one part I was starting to get a little bitter um, about being left, you know, and all the responsibility on me. And Mark Buckner was happened to be visiting, and I remember him telling me that, you know, Dana, you can just, you can allow, you can go back like you are now and have, like, years of unrolling, like, just working through this and mm-hmm. stuff, or you can just believe that God has you here, you know, for a purpose. Simple you know? words. Yeah, very simple. Simple words. Yeah, and even at a, it was at a retreat that we had in Russia, actually Jeff Bianchi, you know yeah, I had a word, too, where he saw me, like, carrying this baby, you know, and it was God's baby, mm. you know, and I remember just going, yes, Lord, I am so willing, if this is your baby, like, this little church, it wasn't huge, it's was little, you know, mm. but I'm so willing to do it, to carry your baby and stuff, so a lot of growing up, <laughs> a lot of maturing, and just learning a lot. Another thing, though, I thought I learned is, um, I didn't realize going out that, a lot of people fall away. I didn't understand that ministry is just hard. Do you know what I'm saying? And that people respond to Jesus. And they don't. They're not always faithful. A lot come and then they leave. And I didn't know. I was blaming myself. You mm-hmm. know, a lot of it. And, and I remember one one meeting I was at, like no one showed up except for the leaders. And actually, there was another single guy helping me from another org helping. He was with me, and he had this word. He's like, Dana, just feel the word disappointment. You know, just. Um, but that, and I remember we just wept together, but yeah, I just learned a lot that it's, anyway, God's got to do it and you can be faithful and do what you can, but you can't make stuff happen. You can't blame yourself, you know, and that anyway, no matter where you are, you can't force anything and just, yeah, it's God that does it, but you can't beat yourself up when people don't come or people aren't faithful. It's not your fault, you know, but it was hard. I definitely felt that at first, like Mm -hmm. blaming myself, disappointed, Such a good word (laughs) for for people who are dealing with that very thing right now. But I wanted to say, because it was really just only two years I was there, um, because I committed to two years. And the sweetest thing that came out of that is there are at least 
for I know for positive three of those women that we got to invest in are now in full-time ministry, wow. reaching Muslims, you know. Nice. So that is amazing. Praise you know, just Jesus. Three of the, yeah, Thank so it's like worth. that's worth all the hardship, mm-hmm. any awkwardness, any anything I missed out on. I mean, it was so worth it. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, just such a beautiful, I'm just so thankful that God let me do that. So Yes. Anyway. And you still have some minimal contact oh, with Oh, yeah. Them? One Gosh. of them we talk regularly. Oh, Yeah, wow. yeah. But the other two every once in a while. But, yeah. That's so, so cool. So, so you, you also went to another Central Asian country. Mm-hmm. So after those years in this country that we've just been talking about, what compelled you to change, to go to another, another place? Yeah, well, actually, I, after that time in the first country, I really wanted to get married. I was like, because I was 25, or I was about to turn 20. No, I guess I was 25, yeah. And I thought I thought I had heard God tell me I'd get married when I was 25. And anyway, so I like really wanted to come back and find my husband and then... But I had said, if I'm here for more than two years and I didn't get married, I'm going back out. That's just kind of what I told myself. So, well, I didn't get married, but I didn't meet my husband. Anyway, but I didn't know until many years later he would be my husband. But we had met. We got to meet each other. So that's kind of cool. And But I got a social work job with my actual... I really wanted to get a degree. I wanted to work in my field because when I was in the Central Asian country, I was leading all these people that had full-time jobs and then doing house churches with them. But I had never had a full-time job myself. So I was like, I want to come back and actually do that. Like have a full-time job and be a part of a life group, you know, and work my way up and yeah, just start, do that. And so that's what I did. And by the grace of God, he gave me an awesome job and a school system and that I wasn't even it required a master's I didn't even have a master's but when I went in they just liked me I mean they're like "Ooh, she's been in this country she must be tough you know what I mean (laughs) so they hired me probably because I'd been overseas and thought I could handle this harder work so it so it was a really pretty well-paid job because it was a master's level position and so I got to like support other workers that was fun to be on this side of it but honestly, after after the first year year or so, I was probably in my heart going, oh, Lord, can I please go back? Because I just like, forgive me for every time I complained. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It was such a joy and a privilege to be like spending my days like in intercession and worship and praying for a country and then getting to share with others that had never heard and getting to partner with these precious brothers and sisters. So I was like, oh, God, I'm so sorry I complained. (laughs) And, like, what could I please get to go back? I just realized it had been such a privilege to do full-time ministry, you Mm -hmm. know, even though I was getting to love on kids at this school, but, but, you know, you weren't allowed to share Jesus. Occasionally I'd get a little time, but, you know, it was really illegal to do, do that, you know. And I was getting to do a lot of ministry in my life group and stuff, but I don't know, I just longed to get to go back and then when I actually had my freshman life group leaders Kurt and Karen Mailer were serving in Afghanistan and they were telling stories of how they had over 30 widows a day at their door and they needed help you know (laughs) they needed people and with my social work degree like it would be really easy for their for their organization they're working with to accept me yeah and so they asked me to consider coming and 
anyway, so then I just started praying about it and just through the process, just realized, okay, if there's a willingness in me mm-hmm. to go to a place like Afghanistan, it's got to be God. Because most people don't want to do that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. They're like, you're crazy. Yeah. There's no way. But there's actually desire to go do that. And so he says he works in you to will and to do according to his, ple- yes. to his good pleasure. So I'm like, okay, that, that's got to be one thing. And then also I heard Floyd McClung speak at a world mandate where he just said, um, you know, the, the mission field is kind of like the army. There's those that are drafted and they have to go. But then there's others that volunteer but both are given the same medal of honor, mm-hmm. you know, and even though I hadn't had some huge call, if I can volunteer and yeah. So I think with that, and then I pretty much committed that I'm like, God, can you just give me a, another word to hold on to? And he just took me to Matthew 28 and says, go and I'll be with you, you know? And then also out of Isaiah 58, I believe where it just says, yeah, if you spend yourself on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then you'll be like a, a well-watered garden in a sun-scorched land or something like that. You know, it's like, okay, Lord, you're going to take care of me and go. And I, yeah, so I wanted to go and help them serve the poor and take the love of Jesus to them. So. Yeah. And so he's going to take care of you, did he? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, I, w- I was going to say, and you did, and you went and you joined the mailers and you went to there. You, you said Afghanistan. And uh, yeah. sort of like the rest is history in a sense. You and your your ministry partner there ended up writing a book about it. Right. But, you know, you had an experience that we don't have to deep dive into. But, you know, we talked to people in resiliency about how did you uh, maintain, you know, how, how have you kind of gutted it out at times? And, boy, when the, t- when the times get tough, how do you... How do you have that stick to And times don't get a whole lot tougher than they were <laughs> than what you experienced. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you can just touch on that particular challenge that y'all faced and, yeah. yeah, just staying at it, you know. I mean, not having the ability to stay at it uh-huh. there any longer, but uh-huh. now an additional 18 years of living in the nation. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think I'd love to share a little bit because everyone, a lot of people know that yeah. part of the story, but yeah. I had been there almost two years before that. You know, so I'd love to share just yeah. a little bit Tell us pre- about, about that. Pre- and it was, uh, okay, Lord, help me. Okay, well, one thing is I wasn't sure I'd make it in, Af- in Afghanistan. So actually, I only committed first to a year. Okay. And I was like, I'm going to see if I can handle it. You know? And then after the year, then there was grace to go, okay, Lord, I'll be there as long as you want me. To be there. So living in Afghanistan, I think I first lived actually with the mailers, and then there was another single girl on the team. And I remember saying, I don't want to go on a team unless there's another single girl, just because I've been kind of more isolated before in the other parts. So I really wanted a, a partner with me, you know, another single woman. Um, but it was funny, like, because we were there for maybe three or four months, and then she gets pursued by a guy, <laughs> another guy on the field. And you know them, Kyle and Melissa Johnson. Anyway, and so and then so she leaves. And I remember I handled it so bad. I was <laughs> poor Melissa, you know, I was so jealous. I mean, here she is like 23, I'm like 29. Why Lord? Uh-huh. She is But she was so cool. She looked at me and said, Dana, you know, the Lord has the best for you. You know, mm-hmm. she was so gracious to me and my bad attitude. But and um anyway, but I got to work through that and 
Yeah, but I ended up moving into a house with a bunch of other single women and having probably the best time of my life. It was just such a blast, you know, yeah. living with them, and all from other orgs. Mm-hmm. And there was a couple other single guys in the city, and we would have, like, prayer times, movie times, game times. You know, it was just a blast because it was really defined there because there was a curfew at 8. So, like, you do all your ministry in the daytime, and then at night you play, you know, mm-hmm. with other... So it was just a really fun time. Mm-hmm. But then we actually ended up um, changing orgs for because the org we were with kind of limited us quite a bit on outreach, like only letting you do outreach maybe once a month or visit people. And it was it was great, but it was just hard to live under that, you yeah. know. Um, but still, like, I remember going with Karen, visiting widows, and I got to, you know, help baptize one of the teenage girls of this widow. I mean, it was precious things we got to be a part of, but just we wanted more. And so this other org we joined that was also serving in Afghanistan, they were very prayer-focused. So every, literally every morning but one, we would get together for two-plus hours and worship and pray before we started the work day. And then sometimes I've had a nighttime thing on the weekends. Anyway, it was just lots of prayer. I was with massive prayer work. It was not always hard. You know, it was not always easy. You know, there was perseverance in the prayer and stuff too, but it was just so cool to be with them. You know, these prayer warriors from all over, like from Australia, from Germany, from, we were just a part of that, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was just a privilege to get to be with them. And then we were working more with street children, helping them get jobs or get skills so they could have jobs in the future. Um, and they also were building homes for people. Yeah, but as far as hardships, just physically, I was sick all the time. Like, I don't know. I mean, I lost a lot of weight. So I would joke about when I came back. I mean, I definitely, like, lost all my Baylor, you know, 10. You know, I was always, I got to the the weight I'd always wanted to be. Yeah, you know? a little <laughs> different than living on the, in the Baylor bowl. <laughs> yeah, so I lost all that. And then, like, just because the Taliban were ruling, like, we were just looked upon as total filth. So I don't know how many times I was literally spit upon, wow. you know. And, yeah, so that's just a really weird feeling. I don't know. And then one time, me and some other girls, we were literally whipped, you know, in the streets. They came after us and whipped us on the back. Thankfully, it was wintertime, so I had, like, a big coat on. So it was just sting, stinging. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I got to identify with how Afghan women felt, you know, the humiliation they go yeah. through. Um, yeah, and then, like, uh, and one time, I think there was even not just, it wasn't an Afghan, it was probably more like a Saudi guy because they had one of those turbans, the red and white turbans. He must have been visiting or something. But I walked out of a store, and he literally threw rocks at my, like, at my back, you know, mm. and I just remember getting into the taxi um, there and just weeping, you know, just really being just so, I don't know, demoralized, humiliated, just, mm. I don't know, just so hate the hatred of being a Western white woman, you know, just, and also realizing it was the enemy too, but just, I just remember just, I couldn't contain it, just wept and wept, but... <laughs> It was amazing, like, we had a team meeting or something that week, and it had just happened a few days before, and and I was sharing with them, and I could still feel just the heaviness on me, and this 58-year-old Australian man that was a single man that was on our team, he um, stood up, and he just repented on behalf mm-hmm. of the Taliban men and the way they treated women, and instantly, I just felt something just 
break off of me and healing come to my heart. So it was just amazing, just his repentance, you know, bringing the presence of God and just setting me free, you know. Um, So again, it's a real learning situation that God, yeah, no matter what they do to my outside, you know, or even how they touch my inner, you know, that the Lord's presence can heal anything, you know. Amen. That anointing that came through repentance, Mm -hmm. uh, identification, repentance, broke the yoke. Totally. It was really cool. Um, um, Another time, like, there was this older street boy who was um, a shoe shiner, and he, like, he would actually burglarize our house and steal all my makeup, which is interesting to give to his sisters. <laughs> but other than that, that was awkward. But then also, like, he would jump on me sometimes, like, lick my face, like, just, you know, just weird. Mm-hmm. He was probably mentally messed up, you know. But anyway, just those weird, awkward things you go through sometimes in other countries. But again, team prayer would always fix it and heal my heart. But so. <laughs> You don't want maybe don't want to share that one, but um, well, just, anyway, it's just a lot of that was your life. <laughs> Those are the kind of things that make people so, say, "I am out of here, man. No more of this." And then you say, "Team prayer, just yeah, it's constantly the healing balm." You know, yeah, and I think also hearing. Okay, okay, thank you for saying that. I just remembered something. Okay, <laughs> and then oh my gosh, reading the stories of the ones that have gone before us, other missionaries. Like, I remember on a really low point in Afghanistan, I'm just feeling lonely in my room and pretty despairing. I've started reading an Amy, an, a book by Amy Carmichael and just reading about her situations. And again, it just brought immediate repentance of like, I am so sorry, Lord. Her, I mean, her situation was so much worse than mine. I had it so easy. And her dedication and her... Yeah, just the way she handled it just brought such life to my soul and got me out of the ditches, you know. So, And that's been all through my time on the field is just reading the stories or listening to the stories of the other heroes of the faith that have been on the field. I can't tell you how much that has helped me and helped me persevere and helped me get gain perspective. Yeah. I mean, I'm so thankful for them. Both them and modern day, the ones that have stayed longer and hearing their stories too, yeah. all of them. But I'm so thankful that those things are written down. It's the really, whole faith. really yeah. helped me. Yeah. yeah. Looking at and, that cloud of witnesses. Yeah. And actually, it was after that first year that I committed, I got to come back and go to World Mandate before I went back again because um, I had to raise more support. And I got to hear Jackie Pullinger, and we asked her, Jackie, what helped you make it all those years? Oh, good. Cause Jackie's she's been, now, I guess. So, this is good. So, We're getting two yeah, for one. She, so, because she's been on the field, you know, 50-plus yes. mm. years and stuff. And I remember one of the things she said that really impacted me is um, she's like, you've got to know in your gut that God is good. You know, you've got to know that no matter what happens to you, that God's good. She's like, God's, you know, he's protected me from this and from this and from this. She listed all the things, you know, that could have happened to her that never did. And, you know, she's like, you've got to know inside that he's good. Yeah. Flat down, you Mm -hmm. know. And then she says, do not let yourself, don't even let self-pity get an inch. Wow. You know, you don't let it, you vigilantly you just don't have anything to do with it you don't let that get there you know or get inside yourself um so those two things really helped me actually in the prison situation i remember those two things really coming 
back to me, mm-hmm. Lord, and just meditating on his goodness. And um, remember out of Psalm 25, all the ways of the Lord are loving and faithful. You know, just meditating on those things and choosing that he's good no matter what happened, whether we live or die, that he's good. And just just not letting myself go very long, feeling self-pity, just trying to every time that happens, like read a book, get someone to pray, do something, you know, just trying to not let myself go there. Um or start thanking him for all the things like, thank you, Lord, I don't have like some contagious skin disease. Thank you that I don't, you know, wow. just any, yeah. just doing whatever to get yourself out of yeah. the pit. Strengthen so. yourself in yeah. the Lord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not that you weren't disappointed or not that it oh. wasn't hard or that you got sad, but self-pity is another thing. And that's a, that's <laughs> a barb of the enemy right there yeah. for sure. Praise so. God for Jackie's timely word for yeah. you, for the Amy Carmichaels and who, who knows who else you've read through the years. Hey, Resiliency listeners. I hope you enjoyed today's interview with Dana. Steve and I actually recorded some additional content with her that we would like to share with you next week in a shorter bonus episode. In 2001, Dana, her friend Heather, and six other German and Australian aid workers were arrested in Afghanistan by the Taliban. After more than three months of confinement in various Taliban prisons, they were rescued by the U.S. military. This story is recounted in the book Prisoners of Hope, And many of us have heard Dana speak about it in various settings. But in our interview, Dana shared some valuable keys to resiliency in the midst of some of the most difficult circumstances. You don't want to miss this episode. As always, thanks for listening. You can find us on Instagram at Resiliency Podcast. Please leave your reviews and send us your input, suggestions, and feedback to resiliencypodcast at antiochwaco.com. 